What a beautiful prayer. Because that's what that song is. And thank you, ladies, for putting it down in such a beautiful way. But we're not here this morning to worship America. We're here to thank God uh, for America, among uh, many other things, but this morning particularly to thank God for America and for the blessings that he's poured out on us over all these years, through all the challenges that, that our country has been through, and now, again, through the challenges that we're facing right now. So I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to First Timothy chapter 2, a passage that I've read many times on this Sunday um, over the years as we celebrate the country that we live in, as we thank God for this country. I believe that we see this morning what we're experiencing right now, an answer to a prayer that the Apostle Paul taught Timothy to pray and to lead the churches that Timothy was leading in, in prayer 2,000 years ago. So a, a, a long answered prayer. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. This is Paul teaching Timothy how to lead the churches that he's leading in prayer. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. And then he gets more specific. Verse 2. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. There, there's the prayer request. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. And so... The Apostle Paul was asking Timothy to do what he'd been doing in the churches that he planted, that the churches that he started, the churches that he ministered to. He was encouraging Timothy to lead his churches in prayer for everybody, but especially for the kings and those in authority that they might live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, at that time, when, when the Apostle Paul wrote that request, do you know how many countries were being led by kings and those in authority that allowed them to live the kind of lives that Paul was asking? Probably zero. Probably zero. Unless you believed exactly what the government leaders believed, you didn't have the freedom to worship, to live a quiet, peaceful life in all godliness and holiness. 
the people that Timothy was ministering to in churches like that of Ephesus, where we think he was the pastor for a time, they didn't, they weren't able to live quiet, peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness unless they worshiped Artemis. And if they didn't, then they would be accused of any bad things that happened in their town or their region because they were going against the teaching of what that town, what that area, what those leaders believed. But here we are today. Having the opportunity to do this very thing. And praise God, it it was encouraging to hear Mark uh, report from he and Brian's uh, trip and, 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 and teamwork that they did with Wyatt and Vicki and the other teams from, and the other um, church members from, from Alabama to, to see the, the opportunity that they had in England to do that ministry. Because there was a time when they couldn't have done that in England. So what they were experience was experiencing last week and what Wyatt and Vicki are experiencing this week is another answer to this prayer. That that's happening there, where at one time it didn't happen. Thank God it's always been the case here in the United States of America. We've always been able to do this. We've always been able to talk about Jesus. And did you catch that emphasis as he continued in verse 3? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. See, that's the point of all this quietness. That's the point of all this peacefulness. That's the point of this godliness and holiness. That we have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. To each other. But also, as Mark and Brian did in Exeter, England, we also have the opportunity, the privilege, to talk to others about Jesus. Now, not everybody, as he mentioned there, nor here, not everybody wants to hear about him. And that's their prerogative. But we have the opportunity at least to bring him up. We have the opportunity at least to introduce him. We have the opportunity at least, and remember, this is at least to let them know that there's somebody to turn to, as Mark mentioned, when everything falls apart in life. And that happens to just about everybody at some point. And the fact that we have the opportunity to let people know that there is a mediator between God and men and that he is God's only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, not for sins he had committed because he didn't commit any, but for our sins, and he's willing to forgive every single person who would turn to him, who would put their trust in him. That is an amazing freedom. That is an amazing privilege. The truth of the gospel is true in all countries, no matter what the freedoms are. And people are coming to faith in Christ in the hardest places where they're doing what I was talking to the children about this morning where they're actually literally this morning before we met, there were churches that gathered together in small apartment buildings where they put towels and, t- and, and duct tape up on the windows and the doors to keep people from hearing what was going on in that room. 
Because if people found out, there would be pain to pay. Whether it be the loss of jobs, whether it be the ridicule of students, whether it would be death for some. That kind of thing is happening all around the world every week. But not here. And so as Ron mentioned when he, when he helped start the service, just being together doing this this morning is an awesome way of thanking God for what he's done for us. And thanking God for those who have gone before us. Even those all the way back to 1776. And again, we don't know all the details. We don't know all the, you know, all of, of what they went through and, 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 and all of the, the circumstances. We know that we know some of the stories. But what we know for sure are the results. And we're here today living these quiet, peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness in the United States of America 2,000 years after Paul taught Timothy to pray for this. We're not the only country able to do this. Again, Mark and Brian are testimonies. uh, Richard Howe is on his way to South Africa. He's going to have the privilege of doing some of these things as well with students who are learning and, and desiring to grow in their ability to defend the gospel in a very difficult place and difficult country. They're going to have those freedoms. So there are other places around the world where these freedoms exist, all as an answer to the prayer that Paul gave Timothy um, to pray. And, and of course, because it was recorded in God's word in this special letter, Christians have been praying these prayers for their own countries and for other countries for all these centuries. And again, we praise God that we're here right now able to do that. But there's a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 that I'd like us to look at as we, as we try to take advantage of every opportunity that we have living in this free country that God has given us. So in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 15, verses 15 and 16, makes a great statement about how we live our lives. And I want us to apply this directly to how we live our lives in this free country, the United States of America. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That statement, make the most of every opportunity. Literally, redeem the time. Time is the opportunity. Freedom to do this redeeming of the time, the the buying back of the time in these evil days. 
We have that opportunity today. We've just had an, had an amazing, and we're still in it, experience. Where for 49 years, churches like ours have been praying for the reversal of the Roe versus Wade decision back in the 70s. For 49 years, we've had the freedom to pray for that reversal to happen. And we prayed and we prayed and we thought this is never going to happen. And we voted. We voted and we, and we elected people that said they were going to do something and nothing happened and nothing happened and nothing happened and nothing happened. And then boom, something happened. That's what we need to do. We need to take advantage of the opportunity that we have, the freedom that we have in the United States to pray and pray and pray and pray. And when it doesn't seem like anything's happening in answer to our prayers, we keep praying because we can and because God is listening, because he cares. I've told you the story of the opportunity that I had back in 1994, right after the Iron Curtain fell in the Ukraine. And by the way, we don't have this Ukrainian flag up here because we pledge our allegiance to the Ukrainian flag, okay? We have that up here to remind us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and, and outside Ukraine now. It's not a political statement. It's not us saying that we're supportive of anything that the government's doing in regard to Ukraine. It's us putting that up to remind us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We have a lot of them. There are so many Christians. God has done such an amazing thing in that country over these years. And I had the opportunity back in 1994 to be there. And, and, and in, in every Soviet country, of which Ukraine was one, Every town had a government building that was built. It was a movie theater. It was where they, they played their propaganda regularly. And I got to be there in this particular village just, across, just on the Ukrainian side of the Belarus um, border. I got to be there for the first gospel meeting in that government building that was built by the communists for propaganda. I had Mark's bust on this side that hadn't been taken down yet. Karl Marx was over here and Lenin was over here. I was preaching between them. And there were these two old babushkas that came in in their, in their babushka garb. I mean, they were, it was like the perfect picture of a Ukrainian grandmother. You know, they came walking in and after the service was over through an interpreter, they said, we've been praying for over 70 years for this day. They'd lived through the whole thing. They'd seen the whole thing. And because they were in Christian homes that survived, churches didn't, but Christian homes did, they 
were two that survived the entire ordeal and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And when everybody else gave up, they kept praying and praying and praying until finally the gospel came to their town in public. It was an amazing moment for them. I, didn't, I, I couldn't even gra- begin to grasp the importance of it. It was what I got to do. I get to do this every week. Never think about it. But what I was doing there that night was very special to a lot of people because they saw God answer the prayers. Now, they prayed in private. We can pray when and where and how often we want to. And so let me encourage you that one of the ways that we can redeem the time, that we can buy back the opportunities that we have in these evil days is that we as God's people, we as the children of God in Christ would pray for our country. We are in a very, I don't have to tell you this, we are in such a tumultuous time in this nation. The, the aftermath of the, the Roe versus Wade decision. We, we need to pray more now than we did before. Because of all the things that people are, are coming up with, government officials are coming up with to figure out ways to get around it. We need to pray. And remember, this isn't, this isn't a political statement. This is a prayer for life. This is, the, this is a prayer for the life of babies. That's what it's about. That's the heart of it. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people. This has been a disgrace on our nation for 50 years. An utter disgrace. It's a big deal. It's It's not a political deal it's a big deal to god because he's the giver of life and he is offended by anyone who takes it or anyone who takes it lightly and in his offense he will because of his holiness because of his righteousness he will judge the offenders it's a disgrace it's an offense and it's going to be judged And that's not the only thing. We need to pray. We need to pray that the the law that God put in the hearts of all people in their birth, and then it's culminated in the the gospel that, that he's written for us in his word. We need to pray that people will, in our country, and that our government officials, as we pray for kings and those in authority, remember that's where it started in, in Paul's prayer, in his explanation to Timothy, how to pray, that we pray for our leaders to care about right and wrong, period. That, that that's a big deal. We need to take advantage of the opportunity that we have to freely pray 
for our leaders as they make these decisions that they've been making now, you know, for over 50 years about things that are obviously right and wrong, not just according to the scripture, but also to the law that's written in every heart. We need to pray that those leaders will follow that law and that they will recognize that they serve not just their constituents, but they serve under the authority and they're accountable to God. We need to pray for that for them. And as we pray, we need to take advantage of another one of the opportunities that we have in the United States. And we need to use our votes to vote for people that have a respect for that law that God has written in our hearts. We need to pray for those who have a a sense of right and wrong. That's our opportunity during these days, during these tumultuous days here in the United States of America. We can make the most of this opportunity in these evil days. We have the freedom to do it. Now we need to, as we're doing this morning again, and I appreciate the way Ron mentioned it this morning, coming together like this on this July 4th weekend is the best thing that we can do to thank God for what he's done for us in this country. And as we do this, let's also remember to pray together and alone for our country and to vote for those who have a respect for God and right and wrong. That's not, it's not a, a, a high standard. I'm not saying guys who have their Bibles memorized. I'm not saying people who even acknowledge that they believe the Bible. I'm talking about people who acknowledge that they believe in God and that they believe in right and wrong because everybody has that in them. And that's the beginning of establishing a nation or reestablishing a nation that has righteousness as its foundation. And remember, it's righteousness. God says it in his word. It's righteousness that exalts a nation. It's righteousness that, that moves God in the, in the sense of blessing a country like America. Singing, singing a prayer God bless America, and then turning our back on what we know to be right and wrong is a a, a worthless exercise. But praying for God to bless America and then us paying attention to God and what he requires and what he desires, we certainly have a great advantage having the word of God. But again, remember, everybody has that law written in their hearts. Everybody knows that there's a right and wrong. And even those who are saying there isn't, they know there is. And we need to pray that God will awaken them to that. And then through that, that he would point them through people like us who know the truth. He would prepare their hearts to hear about Jesus Christ. Because once people are awakened to the realization that there's a right and wrong, then the wrong will overwhelm them. 
and they're going to need a way to be forgiven. And that forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. And so let's take advantage of what God has done. Let's take advantage of the sacrifices that have been made for us over these years, over these 200 and in almost 50 years. Let's not let those things be in vain, but let's use this freedom to pray, to vote, and to share the truth of Jesus Christ. Because again, as we pray, God, as he did in Exeter last week, God will work in the lives of hearts of those that we will share with. And many will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the best way for a nation to be established on righteousness, is that many of us would receive from God the righteousness that is in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for making us a part of your great church. Still able to read the instructions that you gave to young pastors through your Apostle Paul. Still able to pray the same prayers that they were instructed to pray during their evil days. Heavenly Father, you know more than we do. The days are still evil. But Jesus is still the mediator between us and you. And we praise you for that. And we praise you that here in the United States, we can still talk to you and we can still talk about you without being afraid of being arrested or losing our jobs. No, we know there are plenty of people who face, diff- face extreme difficulties in various ways around our country when they talk about their faith. We pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them and that you would make changes in those organizations and in those areas that are allowing that kind of persecution to go on. We pray that you would intervene. But Father, we thank you that even in circumstances where certain companies and organizations don't advance us or or fire us, that we still have opportunities in this country. And we pray that you would work in the lives of the leaders of our nation today. We pray for our president President Biden, for Vice President Harris and their cabinet. We pray that you would convince them of the reality of right and wrong. Convince them of the accountability that they have, not only to their constituents, but more important to you. And as they react to all the things that are going on in our country right now, 
that they would care most about doing right as you've established it. Give them the courage to do that. And then, Father, we pray for those who are advising them, some of whom are are believers in Jesus, that they would also share with them the gospel, the good news, and the truth of your word, which is even more detailed than the law written in their own hearts. So we pray that you would do a work in their lives as they lead us. And we pray for our, our House of Representatives and our Senate and every individual and every advisor to those individuals, that they also would be convinced and convicted of right and wrong, and that they would legislate accordingly, that they would care more about what you think than what their constituents think, than what their peers think. Give them the courage to stand on the truth of the reality of right and wrong. And Father, for our Supreme Court judges, our justices, we pray that they would understand their role that's given by the Constitution to not legislate, but to determine the constitutionality of the legislature. Give them the courage to do that in spite of what they're being asked to do by so many. And then give them wisdom to do it well. Then, Father, we have so many officials here in Georgia, and we're in the middle of a, of a governor's race and so many um, elections right now. We, we pray that you would use this election to bring people into office or to keep people in office, whatever the case may be, who respect you and who respect the reality of right and wrong. Help us during these very important elections to choose wisely according to what you expect of government. Not just what we want, but what you expect and what you want. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us discipline to use these freedoms wisely. And Father, help us to remember to pray. Help me as I lead us to remind us to pray regularly for these very, very important issues in our country today. And we thank you for answering prayers, some of which have been being prayed for 2,000 years. We thank you for the answer to many prayers. And we pray that you'd help us to continue to trust you in prayer. And Father, for those who haven't yet put their trust in this mediator, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, give them the courage and faith to do that. Help them to receive, as many of us have, the offer of his forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life through faith in him. And we pray these things this morning with great thanksgiving for the ability to do so publicly 
and loudly. In the great name of Jesus, amen.